0: Good morning and welcome to this Thursday edition of TNT Devotionals. I am so glad that you're here, that you were able to join us this morning. And if you didn't know, we... We do these devotionals on Tuesday and Thursday. That's why we call them TNT. Um, We do them at 8 o'clock in the morning every Tuesday and Thursday. And it's an excellent start to your day. It's an excellent way to start um, your day. And I'm so glad that you've taken the time this morning uh, to join us and tune in with us. And uh, we also leave them on Facebook and YouTube afterwards. So um, if you miss a morning, you can go back and watch it. Or if you want to rewatch it later on in the day, you can do that as well. And, and so I'll say it again. Thank you for joining us this morning. And then also to all of those of you who are joining us a little later on in the day, I want to say thank you for taking your time to watch uh, this devotional. I am so glad that you did. Um, did so and and you tuned in to this. And and if you didn't know who I am, uh, my name is Will Ballard. I have the honor and the pleasure and the privilege of uh, serving at our Friendswood campus as one of our student pastors. And and it's been awesome and I I love uh, serving the church in this capacity. And let me say three things before uh, we jump into our scripture for today. The first one, is let me say what a pleasure it is to be able to join you uh, this morning um, on here on on this Thursday edition of TNT Devotionals. I am humbled and grateful um, to share this time with you as you prepare for your day um, and as we get to get the opportunity to dive into Scripture, um, God's Word. And secondly, I want to personally connect you with something that's happening here. Um, this summer at New Hope Church, specifically in our student ministry, and that thing is called CAMP. Um, camp I won't talk about too long. You can actually go to our website, newhopechurch.tv, and and get some more information. But camp is happening, and we couldn't be more excited and more amped up about it. We have high school and junior high camp, um, as well as New Hope Kids just announced that they are doing their camp as well. And so if you'd like to sign up, um, your student or your kid, or if you personally would like to, to volunteer with us at camp, uh, You can head over to newhopechurch.tv. You can click on ministries. You can click on students or kids, and then you can click on Camp New Hope, and that will tell you all you need to know about signing your kid up for camp, your student up for camp, or if you would like to serve with us at camp. We would love to have you. We'd love to serve with you at camp. We would love to have you serve with us at camp. Camp and I could probably I can ramble on and on and on about camp. Um, camp is one of the one of the coolest events that we get to be a part of as we take a, a a student or a kid away from kind of the everyday life and busyness and into a a isolated area where they can focus on their relationship with God and we see the deepening of faith happen over the course of that week of camp. And like I said, I could ramble on and on and on telling you all about camp, uh, but. Head to the website. Head to the website newhopechurch.tv, and it's there that you can find everything that you need to know. And lastly, hey, maybe you've maybe you've tuned me out for the past couple of minutes as we've we've kind of introduced um, our time today. But but listen in here, here real quick because uh, this one's important. Today is the National Day of Prayer. And, and, and what that means is that um, in 1952, so a couple decades ago, uh, there was a law passed um, saying that the first Thursday of every May would be the National Day of Prayer, and and, and, and a multitude of people um I guess gather together distantly um, from all over the country, and they pray. They pray um, about the radical, life-changing power of the gospel. That the gospel would would influence uh, our nation. That they would it would influence the church to spread and go and make disciples as Jesus calls us to do in Matthew 28. Because prayer is powerful. People of all backgrounds, of all nations inside of America are gathering together to pray today because that's what today is dedicated to as the National Day of Prayer. And, and, and with that being said, I think that we would do ourselves here a disservice if we didn't join in on that as well. And so I want to pray for us um, for ourselves, for our church, and for our nation. And so I want to invite you to join me in prayer. Jesus, we're thankful for you. We're thankful that you are so good. That It's because of your, your life, death, and resurrection, your gospel, your good news, that we can have eternal life that we can have a relationship with the Father, that we can experience eternal life in the future and the kingdom of God in the present. God, I pray that as we continue on, that we would not neglect your calling on us to go and make disciples of all nations, that we would go um, and tell our neighbor who we know doesn't know you, that we would go and we'd tell them about you. And God, I pray for our nation that there would be a revival happen in the nation of America, that we would long to see you, that we would long to reconnect with you, that we would long to to get to know you once again, that we would get back to the way of life that you were calling us to live. And so, God, I pray for our nation. I pray for our church. I pray for our people that we would be, one, united in Christ, and two, that we would grow so hungry by the Spirit that we would allow that to infect us and allow that to um, spread to those around us. And, and, And after a little while, that we would grow to love you as one family in Christ. We're thankful for this time that we have today to dive into your word. Bless this time. Use it to your benefit and your glory. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. And so now, uh, diving into our study for today, I want to encourage you uh, to go ahead and grab a Bible of one of these things. And of course, you can use the Bible app if you're watching on your TV, but I will say there's nothing more powerful than having the physical Bible here in your hands that you can take notes in and you can highlight and you can do all that to look upon later. And uh, so grab your Bible. And and today we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 13, um, specifically in verses six through eight. We're going to be looking at a parable there that Jesus says. And if you didn't know, we've been in kind of this series um, where we're talking about parables, the parables that Jesus spoke um, in his three years um, that he did ministry here on earth. And and so we're going to be in Luke chapter 13 as we dive into one of those parables, specifically in verses 6 through 8. And I will say this, I will be reading from the NIV version of the Bible, but you are more than welcome to use any version that you are accustomed to reading. uh I will put just personally be reading from the NIV Bible. And so before we dive into the scripture, before we dive into these specific verses in 13, 6 through 8 um, of the gospel of Luke, I want to provide some context because I think that's necessary. I think that's necessary that, that, that when we dive into parables, we kind of have to know the context of those parables. And, and 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 so if we understand a parable to be an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, um, then we know that each and every single parable has a powerful uh, meaning behind the simple story um, that it is, um, that Jesus told. And every time we read a parable, we have to understand its Context, because typically that that story that Jesus said is is tied into the scripture around it, and the same is true when when we read the parable found in Luke thirteen verses six through eight, the parable that we're going to be studying today. And so the context of, of Luke, uh, chapter 13, verse 6 through 8, is that of repentance. It's this idea or this, this, this calling uh, that Jesus is, is initiating uh, to call his audience to repent. And we see Jesus gives some, some, some real-time stories, two, two real-time stories, in fact, um, to begin his teaching about the topic of repentance. And the first is is that of a a number of Galileans who were offering sacrifices in the temple who were killed by by Pontius Pilate uh, which we we understand from from Luke 13. 1. you can actually read it right there at the very beginning of the chapter that we we get the the couple of verses of the parable for today that there were some Galileans who were worshiping in the temple and 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 Pontius Pilate ended up killing them and he said so he tells this first real time story that happened and then we we, we 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 see another incident um, a couple verses later where Jesus recounts uh, the collapse of the Tower of Siloam, which killed about 18, from what we can read in Scripture, um, 18 residents of Jerusalem. And, And we are told that in Luke chapter 13, verse for, and you can check that out if you want to. Um, and it's interesting. It's, it's interesting. And what's interesting about it is that both of these events are not recorded in any other, any other place in scripture. They're, they're not recorded in any other place. Now, why does Jesus use these stories? Why does Jesus use these real-time stories? Well, is to convey a very important message about the reality of sin. During that time in the world, the Jews believed that tragedy and accidents, for example, being killed by Pontius Pilate or being killed by a, a tower collapsing, um, which killed 18 residents of Jerusalem. They, they believed that, that examples like that incidents like that were because of of one's sin. They believed that, hey, if an accident happened that resulted in death or injury um, or a tragedy happened to one's family member or friend or whatever, it was directly linked to sin. And so the issue is, is that if we're looking at the the audience that Jesus has in front of him right here, uh, that they probably believe that the people killed by Pilate and the people killed in the collapse of the tower were were killed because of their sin. And Jesus, he offers some some kind of rhetorical questions there that dis that that that, that he seeks to disprove um, that 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 that. Tragedy and, 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 and issues and accidents are, are directly linked to sin. But what he doesn't disprove is the sinfulness of people. That Jesus, he seeks to disprove the, the, the linkage between accident or tragedy and sin. That they're one and the other. If, if you're a sinful, horrible person that you're going to have an accident... And that's because God is, is unhappy with you. Jesus was disproving that. That, that, that. That's not true. That's not reality. But what is reality is that pe- all people are sinful. That all people are not good. And, and, and rather, Jesus calls all who, list, who are listening in the audience and even today to repent, to do a 180 in your life to turn away from sin and turn towards the goodness of God. Now let's look at our scripture for today, our parable for today, which we know to be found in Luke chapter 13, verse 6 through 8. I want, to join, I want you to join me in reading that. It says this, Then he told this parable, A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Verse 8. Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Notice, notice the way that Jesus kind of, he sets up the, the, the image of the tree, the fig tree, in this parable. He describes the physical aspects of this fig tree, that it was in a vineyard. Um, now the location is important um, for, for this tree because in reality, and I'm, I'm not a farmer, but I know a little bit about plants and all that and kind of the gist of it, Um, but I know that if the fig tree was buried in the, or planted in the beach, that it wouldn't survive because that's not, that's not real. That's not, that's not good soil for it to thrive in. And so if it was planted in the beach, of course we would see this response and and we would say, yeah, that makes sense that it's not producing any fruit. Now maybe a fig tree can be planted in the beach. I have no idea. Follow the, the, the example here with me. Track with me here for a second. But if it was planted in, 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 in unrealistic circumstances, of course it wouldn't bear fruit. And, but we see a different story here that it was planted in a vineyard um, and actually, vineyards had very, very fertile soil. Um, they were great for planting and great for plants. And they would, the inside of a vineyard was where you would get the most harvest and reap the most out of any plant or any tree um, in any part of the, the earth. The vineyard was where the fertile soil was. And so this tree was planted. In a very, very good location. It was planted in a very good spot. But it still did not produce any fruit. And it also is not a new plant. We read here that it's been planted for three years. It's been there for three years. That this, 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 this fig tree should be producing fruit because it's a well-established tree. But it's not. And we can ask the question, why? Why is it not producing any fruit? Why is it not producing any figs? It's in the right spot. It's in the right location. It's been there for a good amount of time. Why is it not producing any fruit? And we aren't given the direct answer because the reality is is the Bible is not a farmer's almanac but we do know that that what Jesus intended by saying this and here's what i think he means is is that he means that you can be in the best location the the fertile soil of a vineyard a vineyard you could be a part of a church that's doing radical things for god You can be a well-established tree. You could be going there every single weekend. You could be attending because you just want to check it off your list. You want to say, oh, yeah, I go to church. And you can put a little check mark in that box. And you could be a part of an awesome, amazing church. You could be attending every single weekend. You could go to every single event that they do. But here's the reality, you could still not bear fruit. Because the reality is this, is that if our heart truly and honestly loves God, if our heart truly and honestly loves Jesus and we're thankful for everything that he's done in us and through us and for us, then our actions would demonstrate that. And it doesn't matter if we go to church every single weekend. It doesn't matter if we go to every single event. It doesn't matter if we're in fertile soil or we've been established there for a long time. If we do not have a heart that loves God, then our actions, our fruit in our life will not display it. And here's what Jesus is calling us to do Calling his listeners to do, calling his followers to do, is to refuse sin and dedicate yourself to God. That if we could define repentance, it's it, it, it repentance requires our refusal of sin, our absolute rejection of sin, and our dedication to God. That, that we, would, we would not even accept the, the thought of, of, of sin in our lives, but we would refuse it. We would reject it. We would not want anything to do with it. And we would dedicate ourselves wholly and, and truly to God and doing the work that he's called us to do. But I think this is the reality And the reason that Jesus had to say it is that there's people who are not living a life that God is calling them to. There's people who are not living a life that glorifies him. There's people who are putting false idols on the throne of their heart, whether it's in the form of, 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 of whatever. They've put those things above God. And here's the reality is that we can be planted in a church. We could be in a vineyard, the best fertile soil. We could be there for a long time. But that means nothing if we're still living in the sin that we were born into. And I say born into because here's the reality that when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit in the garden, the the subject of humanity, the destination of humanity was to spend eternity in hell. Let's let that sink in for a little bit that every human being who does not repent from the ways of this world and fall into the arms of God is doomed to spend eternity in hell. But here's where the joy and the glory and the thanksgiving and the goodness and mercy of God comes in. That, that, that God didn't let that, that be the end. God didn't let that be the final defining point of humanity. That, you know, we, we, we had the fall in the garden and that's it. No, God sent his one and only son, Jesus. God incarnate in human likeness. To be born as a baby, to live a perfect life. To die a criminal's death on the cross, you know, that thing that we remember on Easter, the resurrection, the thing that we celebrate on Easter, that three days later after his death, he rose again to new life, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating the grave. For what? For no reason? No. For us so we may experience the kingdom of God in the present and in the future. That because of Jesus' resurrection to new life, he's defeated the bondage of sin that keeps you and keeps me down. That no longer do we have to be slaves to sin, but we are set free in the goodness of God because of Jesus. Somebody say amen in the chat because that is good news. That is is the awesomeness. That is the greatness of God. That he would be merciful to us even when we don't deserve it. But the reality is, is it starts with repentance. It starts with turning away from sin and turning toward the goodness of God. And we as a church have to repent from the sin in our own lives. That the word repentance is a final point and that repentance is something that we do when we give our life to Jesus but it's also a daily habit that we have to do because the reality is is that sin is something that we're doomed to but it's not something that we're held to that even though we're doomed to the to the realities of sin we're not held to it we're set free in the goodness of God and the fact that the tree isn't punished right away proves that God is merciful the fact that we are given this time to reject sin in our lives and be restored by God proves that God is still merciful that God still loves us does that mean that God approves of sin absolutely not God does not approve of sin but it does mean that God is merciful to the end And while we are given this mercy, we cannot take it for granted. While it is true that we receive mercy, we cannot allow time to pass by without repenting from our sin and moving toward the goodness of God. And the reality is this, is that we don't know what our future holds. We don't know what the future looks like for us. We could die this evening, we could die tomorrow hope that's not true and I pray that that's not true for you but the reality is is we don't know I could die anytime and so what we have to do is we have to feel the sense of urgency here that that we have to be ready at all times to face God in heaven because we don't know what's going to happen And so if you haven't repented from your sin in a little while, or maybe you don't know who this guy named Jesus is, I would encourage you to repent and I encourage you to get to know Jesus because he is the way, the truth and the life that nobody gets to the Father except through him. And if that's true, if, if nobody gets to the kingdom of God except through jesus well then it's a relationship with jesus that we have to have but it all starts with repentance it all starts with rejecting turning away from sin and turning toward the goodness of god and repentance isn't just something that we can put on a list of things to do someday put on a bucket list time is short Time is, we're, we're, we're in the end times. I don't know when the end is coming, but it's coming someday. Our days have been numbered since the, the first coming of Jesus for when he's going to come again. And so you are in a desperate effort to save your soul. In the words of Jesus in Luke 13, we see it in, in, in verse five at the end. Repent or perish. Repent from sin or perish in eternity. A spiritual death that we will face. That while sin isn't linked to physical death, it is linked to a spiritual one. And so it's time to stop wasting the time that God has given you. It's time to stop just acting like sin doesn't exist. It's time to start facing the reality of sin. It's time to start repenting from that sin and start moving into the goodness of God. And likewise, I would say it's time to start sharing the gospel like people's eternities actually matter. Like people's eternities are on the line. That we have a whole world around us that the majority of people don't have a relationship with Jesus. And if that's true, well, we know the destination that they're doomed to. I don't know about you, but that breaks my heart. And that breaks God's heart. Because he longs to have a relationship with his people. And so if we are to be vessels of his message, of his good news, of his gospel... Well, then we have to start telling people about Jesus like their eternity depends on it, because here's the reality, it does. And so let's repent ourselves as a church, and let's call others to repentance, to turn away from their sin and turn towards the goodness of God. I want to invite you to pray with me. God, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for your mercy that you would love us even though we sin. You would love us even though we disobey you constantly. God, I pray that you would increase our desire for righteousness. That you would increase our desire to pursue you with everything that we have. God, help us to run the race. Help us to run the race that you've given us with endurance that we may glorify you with our lives, that just about, just as we prayed about at the beginning of our time today, that we would be vessels that carry your message, that we would be vessels that carry your gospel, and we would be the church that you've called us to do, to go and reach our one, the people in our lives who don't know who you are, but first, God, it starts with us. First, God, I pray that you would forgive us of the things that we've done and disobedience to you. Lord, help us to repent. Help us to turn away from sin and turn towards your will, turn towards your way, turn towards your righteousness. And God, help, other, help us to help others do the same. Use us, work in us and through us. That we would be a nation that returns to you, returns to your ways, returns to your glory and your goodness. The exact same thing that a multitude of other people are praying today as its national day of prayer. That we would be a nation that stands in awe of who you are and serves you and worships you with everything that we are. It's in your holy name that we pray these things. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday edition. I want to challenge you to keep on praying and joining the multitude of others in National Day of Prayer. We'll see you this Sunday or tonight for service. See ya.